Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. I'm talking with Matt Mansour, associate attorney at the Fleming and Curdy law firm. And Matt, welcome back. This is your second big appearance on elder law issues. Uh, after all of the rave reviews from the first one, I know that uh, the, the phones have been ringing off the hook. Actually, folks, we're recording this before anybody's had a chance to hear it. So I kind of made that up. But welcome back anyway, Matt. Thanks, Robert. Matt, um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, about something that you have recently been talking about because in our firm we did a, 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 a session for our clients on how to do beneficiary designations on retirement accounts. And, and I don't really want to really talk so much about the substance of that, but, uh, but you did part of the presentation. I want you to recap some of the important points that you made about it, uh, about about what the point is in creating a trust and, and what the issues are in making decisions about beneficiary designations. So to repeat for us, not repeat, but relate for us what, uh, what you were telling clients about why they might have created a trust. Sure. So um, in terms of creating a trust, some people, it really depends, but some people it makes sense to create a trust based on the number of beneficiaries you have and uh, the relationship among the beneficiaries. For example, if you have five nieces and nephews who you all want to have a share in your, your home, it wouldn't make sense to put all five of their names on the deed, especially if they don't all know each other and you don't know if they'll all get along. Um, and just having five names on a deed generally just doesn't make sense. Um, but having that home titled to the trust and the five beneficiaries named as beneficiaries in the trust um, allows one person to, to manage the asset for everybody else. And it just makes things a lot simpler. Um, another reason for having a trust would be having property that's kind of scattered. So having a lot of having a lot of real property, but also having real property in another state would be a good, another good reason to have a trust um, that would prevent you from having a probate in another state outside of uh, your home state. And then um, other reasons for having a trust include giving your um, whoever your successor trustee is more um, more ability to kind of act on your behalf outside of just using a financial power of attorney. While you're still alive. While you're still alive, right. Um, so if, if there was some sort of emergency or you were incapacitated, um, they, they could manage your assets for you um, with a little more force with the certificate of trust showing that they're trustee rather than just um, trying to use a financial power of attorney that financial institutions might be uh, more reluctant to accept. Yeah, we find that a lot of financial institutions put up roadblocks to the use of powers of attorney. They have their own forms. They want you to use those forms. So you're saying that having a trust might get through some of those roadblocks. Yeah. And kind of on a side note, too, just having um, showing your financial institution, especially the main ones you work with, your financial power of attorney or even giving them the certificate of trust and making sure that they'll accept uh, the authority of whoever you want to be able to act on your behalf is a good thing because they may want they might want uh, their own separate power of attorney form filled out and they may have different um, requirements for accepting a document like that. We should probably go back and, and explain to people who are not in Arizona. Of course, we only know Arizona law, so we're really only talking about Arizona circumstances. But you said put five nieces and nephews on the deed to your house. And of course, we would never suggest that you actually give the deed, give the property to your nieces and nephews during your life at least in the vast majority of cases, you're talking about a beneficiary deed. That's right. So the two options would be if you have, if you have a trust, you would do you would title the, the property to the trust and then the trust names the beneficiaries 
or the other option if you don't have a trust is to just do a beneficiary deed naming so that way that only goes into effect on your death and you can revoke it anytime prior to your death not every state recognizes something called a beneficiary deed but i think a majority of states now have something that's equivalent they may call it a uh, a revocable transfer on death deed or some other phrase that is kind of the same concept and uh, and that's a way of avoiding probate if that's the key reason you did a trust but it may put you as you say in the position of having five partners in the in the ownership of your home right and, and nobody in charge have you had a chance yet to to see the the dynamics of of uh, administration of estates and trusts kind of play out or, or is this all too new for you yeah i've definitely seen things play out a bit and obviously i don't have a ton of experience in it but en enough to know kind of common situations to avoid and and just being prepared regardless of what's expected to happen what wasn't on your list in your description so far and wasn't a big deal in your explanation to our clients earlier uh, is taxes. Is there a big tax savings in trusts that generates a, a reason to create a trust? Uh, typically not, not for most people at least. Yeah, there's a little bit of an income tax benefit potential depending on the dynamics, but, uh, but there's not really an estate tax benefit, is there? No. Of course, that's partly because the estate tax number is so large um, that we don't have to get estate tax benefits. As, as we said to the people in the, in the session, earlier uh, if your estate is not worth more than 13 million dollars and everything's in t in arizona and tucson particularly you're not going to pay an estate tax no matter what you do right and what is that like 0.05 percent of people that actually reach the exemption amount Yeah, it's a pretty small percentage yeah. and oh yeah that's going to go down in 2026 and instead of 0.05 percent it'll be 0.08 percent of people or some <laughs> number like that so uh, what else did you have to, to tell these folks about uh, about why they might have done a trust and, and what they needed to worry about after they've done the trust? So in terms of another reason why someone may have done a trust would be um, if you have either a beneficiary who, you know, can't manage assets because there may be a spendthrift or um, just more irresponsible generally managing assets and it'd be better for somebody else like a sibling of theirs um, to manage assets on their behalf. Um, or if you have a disabled beneficiary who's on government benefits in particular, uh, that can help protect uh, their access to benefits and not reduce their benefits by having um, a certain amount of, a, a greater amount of assets. Well, I'm totally sold. I'm ready to go establish a living trust. Can you take care of that for me, Matt? <laughs> yeah. So then after we uh, will create a trust for you, we typically, what we used to do is we would actually be more involved in the, in the funding process and maybe write letters to financial institutions and things like that. Um, now we kind of simplify things and we'll create a, people give us a, hopefully a more complete list of their assets on our questionnaire prior to meeting. Um, if we need more information, we'll ask for it, but we'll create what's called a trust funding chart typically, which will just give you a breakdown of your assets and how we recommend you either title the assets. Um, so some assets might be titled to the trust. Some might be pay on death to the trust. Some might be uh, pay on death to your spouse and then your trust as a contingent beneficiary. So we give you more specific advice on how to actually fund the trust. But the reality is that they have to do a lot of the funding work themselves. We try to help and give them direction. But uh... Right. So part of the presentation that we did today was to help people, remind them to do it if they haven't done it already, but also a reminder to update things if, if circumstances have changed or um, you have new assets.
Well, thank you, Matt. I've been chatting with Matt Mansour, Associate Attorney at Fleming & Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm, and you've been listening to Elder Law Issues. We'll be back next week, and uh, I hope you'll check in with us then. Thanks. <music>